Okay, we're live, and um, first of all, welcome everybody to another episode of the Brand Herald Podcast. I'm Landon Wade with uh, Goodson Clothing and Supply, and I'm, I am excited today because I got uh, a guy who's known me for a long time. We were just talking about how long he's known me and known my family for a long time. Um, John Maurer, who is the president and CEO of Esterline and Sons Manufacturing in Springfield, Ohio. So first, John, thanks for being here. Hey, not a problem, Landon. Anything for you, buddy. <laughs> happy, to, happy to be I'll here. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Um, all right. So, and, and just, a, again, a little bit of context for people listening is, you know, as I, I shared, I've shared on a lot of previous episodes, I'm from, I'm originally from Springfield, Ohio, live in Louisville, Kentucky now. Um, but John's been a friend of, of mine and, and in particular, my dad, he's known my dad a lot longer than me. And, um, I actually used to sell and, and work with John in, when I was in Springfield, uh, with a previous company that my dad owned and, uh, and we've, and then, you know, my dad ended up closing, Sirium a few years ago and has, has worked with me ever since. And John has continued to work with us on some things. Um, but I've always had a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for you. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember a while, a long time ago, we were at that uh, fundraiser at the Frank Lloyd Wright house, uh, the Westcott house. Oh yeah. And I remember you bought, I think it was like a plant or a planner or something that Rebecca wanted that you bought for her. And oh yeah, she still right. talks I about that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, yep, she still remembers I knew, it. I still talks she about wanted it, and I and I had to buy something. <laughs> yeah. I thought, well, shoot, I'll just buy that and give to her. I don't. Yeah, she loved it. Um, well, so anyway, I, as I mentioned, you know, and, and John has been in Clark County and, and influential in a lot of ways outside of just the company for many, many years and uh, and just built a new building. And there's just a lot there's a lot we got to talk about. So and I think people will enjoy learning about it. So but before we get into all that, John, I always just start. Will you just tell um, we want to learn about you first. So tell everybody just about you, where you grew up, high school, college, family okay. and just a little bit about you. Um, you know, I, I in fact, I, I still live on um uh, our family farm that my great grandfather bought in 1890, and um, the company actually is located on the same farm. Uh, I, I was grew up in, in south of Springfield, Ohio, off Jackson Road on on our family farm. I was uh, born in 1958, graduated high school in 1976, and was actually off to Ohio State to um, major in ag and uh, ag business and communications and. Um, um, where'd you go to high school, John? It's Green in high school. Green in, yeah. Okay. Green and it's high. still there. Yeah. Still there. Well, it's actually new school now. They moved it, moved it five mile down to the a road. New building. Yeah. Got it. But, um, and, um, I was off to college and after 40 years of marriage, my mom and dad decided they're getting divorced. And I, you know, of course you, That's crazy. you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the last of four kids. And I thought, you know, what are you guys doing? You, you know, you made it this long, but so they were going to sell everything, the farms and everything. And at 19 years old, I was able to get a loan through Farmers Home Administration, which is a a, a department of United States Agriculture. Yeah, that loan to young farmers. So when I was 19 years old, I was two hundred thousand dollars in debt. Now, keep in mind, this is 1977. Oh, yeah. So that's, 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 a, like, that's still a lot of money today, but it's a hell of a lot of money then. It's a hell of a lot of money compared to today. But so anyway, I, I bought the family farm, kept it in business. And and on my family farm, my grandmother's brother, when my when my great grandfather died, uh, my grandmother and her brother inherited the farms and they split it. Her brother was a machinist. His name was Waldo Esterline. And, and as a matter of fact, after the attack on Pearl Harbor, he the Navy did not 
make him go into the Navy, but they asked him if he would come over there. And he set up, um, they had a machine shop set up for him. So he worked putting all these battleships back together, machining parts. Wow. And during World War II. And he came home after that and patented a process that we still use today, uh, which is a, a thermistor housing. The uh, best way to describe it is you think of the probe you put in your turkey, the little pointed tube. Yep. That that thing, except very precision, that are used in high-end machinery, high-end laboratory equipment. He patented that process and started this company in 1956. So as the years went on, I farmed for a long time from 1978, well, 1990 90 or so. Things got really bad on the farm. Um, we went through um, high interest rates and a lot of stuff's going on today. And um, my uncle, who was the best machinist in the world, but he hated dealing with people. Could not stand. Custom. I mean, he, he just he, wanted to make stuff, right? And he, he wanted to make stuff, and and not that we didn't provide the best customer service because he taught me all that, but he just hated it. He he didn't like having to deal with the problems. He just wanted to make parts, and so one day, I mean, he got off the phone with a with a um, I don't know, really an angry customer, and stopped me in the parking lot out in front of the shop and said, I'm done. It's all yours. I don't want anything to do with it anymore. I'm just going to make parts, do what you want. And turned the now, company. Now, were, were you working with it at all at that uh, point? Yeah, I, I'd worked, I'd helped him in the winter. And even when I was farming full time, I would always help him. If he get a big job in, I'd come over and. Yeah, but your full time gig was still the farm. Yeah, I mean, full time gig was like, still the farm. I was a local elected official as well. Township trustee for over, now I'm retired, but over 30 years. And um, I would still help him. And he just slowly started me getting me. He, he knew that I, that I couldn't. He, I didn't like machining. I wasn't that good at it. I didn't like sitting still. I, 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 I can attest a, to that. <laughs> bit, <laughs> bit of a type A personality. And um, um, so he started involving me in doing quotes and this and that. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you this customer. And I would manage this customer, et cetera. And um, so I, as I got better at it, I just kept taking more customers and, and, and everything. So how real quick, just a quick question. How were no. you, how was he finding customers at that time? Was it just because well, you, you don't even know, you don't even know, well, you don't even know what a Thomas registry is. You probably kind of do, seen. but yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, they, yeah. they used to send out 15 volumes uh, about four inches thick by about two foot tall books that had every industry in the world in it. It was the internet of the the fifties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. Right, Thomas Registry books, and he never really did try to find customers. He only had like three customers. When what I was that? Real quick, what was that? So there was some connection to. YSA, right? Like, like there was like a Yellow Springs Instrument. Yeah, I forgot to mention that Yellow Springs Instrument Company is where my uncle patented this process. So he was and working as a machinist, working them, as right? a machinist when he came home from Pearl Harbor, and um, they told him after he got got the thing processed, he said, "Hey, you you go home and make those, and we'll just you buy know, them. we don't we don't we don't want a machine shop. We'll buy them from you." Yes, I mean he was involved. YSI was a very very 
instrumental in a lot of medical stuff. The first heart-lung machine was comes from a Yellow Springs instrument. The first glucose monitoring came from Yellow Springs instrument. And they were pioneers in a lot of different areas down there. You had two Antioch graduates that started that company in Yellow Springs, and it was amazing what they did. And the the um, uh, the, the the laboratory equipment and 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 medical procedures uh, nobody knows it. But anyway, he was involved in that, and so they said, "Come home and start your own company." So he did. Yeah. So when I took over, Yellow Springs Instruments actually seventy eight percent of our business. Well, yeah, so I, and I remember having known you for as long as I have, I know how how much of a stickler you are on you know allocation of revenue to customers which we can get to. So the bottom line just to recap some, he comes back from the war, he's working at YSI, he creates a product they need but they don't want to do that. They say right. go home, start a company to do this. So sort of like day 1, he's just a machinist, he's got one customer essentially. Right. And right. okay. Yeah. And then from there then it's there like okay, was- well he made friends with a guy named Mr. Winger in Dayton who owned a company called Hyde Park Electronics that did um, canning equipment, automated canning equipment or something. So he, he met him some night somewhere. And so he we had two customers then. And then, um, you know, when I took over, like I said, YSI was 78%. And, um, you know, I told him that one of my goals that I was going to drop them to 20% and double their sales. And he didn't quite comprehend that. How, how are you going to do that? And I said, because right. we got to fit, we got to fill in from the bottom. See, I, I, you know, I'm from Springfield, Ohio. International Harvester is huge here. Back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, most of the companies in this town worked for International Harvester. And 70% of their business or more was International Harvester. Now in Springfield, it's shifted some. So International Harvester is still a lot of percent of business, but now Honda's come in. And now Honda is like 50, 60% of their business. And my uncle told me at the time when I started running the business, he goes, there's two things you're never going to do. If they buy it at Walmart or they drive it, you're never making a part for it ever. And don't quote brass and aluminum. And I understood the first two and I looked at him, I go, brass and aluminum. Why? That's, that's easy to machine. He goes, yeah, Exactly. It's too easy. <laughs> so his whole philosophy was we want to be we want to make sure we have competitive advantage. We're not interested in being competing. Yeah, it's funny. I think Warren Buffett is quoted as saying, if you have the lowest price, they'll find you at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, exactly. And we to this day, we're the highest price vendors that our customers have. And because we don't do easy. Now now don't get me wrong, I've had customers who's who's lost a supplier and say, hey, can you make me Sure. A few thousand of these brass parts until I, I said, yeah, but try to get them somewhere else. And uh, well, again, it's funny. I had a conversation with dad literally today. There's that's being practical. I mean, you can be idealistic, but there's you got to be practical, too. So that and you and, and you never want to put yourself in a position where your customer can tell you what to do. Right. It's just you. I'm never going to be there. I never have been there. Um, you know, right now, GE is 17 percent of our business. We do flight critical stuff for GE. And I'm not letting them get much bigger. And now we're, now we're building from the bottom. I'm building some others up. So I'm not really, you know, de- decreasing GE, but I'm just making sure that percentage does not get out of whack. Very well, so That important. was what I was going to ask you. Like, so how, what happens, though, when GE sends you a big order? And that would, I mean, do you take temporary steps over that percentage? And then you're working really hard constantly yeah, to yeah. build it from I mean, the bottom? Yeah, there's going to be times that sure. you're going to, they're going to exceed that, you know, and, and three or four or five percent. 
but then you got you got to keep an eye on that and work it down. So I have this eight. I have a, like an eighteen percent number. Um, so uh, yeah, you have to. But yeah, at least that's at least that's my position. So yeah. anyway, you know, the nineties started, and and I was and Dale turned the company over to me, and I I told him I said, well, you know, I'm I'm going to build this business. I, I'm going to start traveling. So I did, and. On those Thomas Registry books, this is right as the internet was coming out, but I would look through those books and find companies I know would use our product. And I would contact them or whatever. In a lot of cases, I would just fly. There's a company in Orange County, California, and uh, they did they did parts. That they used our product in temperature measuring. I flew out there with a handful of parts and, and was able to get into the president and CEO. And yeah, he was nice, et cetera. He gave me a drawing. He said, you know, can you make these? Quote me a thousand of them. It was a tube and thing that we make every day. So I went back to the hotel. We didn't have email. I faxed it to Dale. <laughs> I said, make five of these and put them in a box and ship them overnight to this hotel. And we did the quote. And my secretary faxed me back the quote that we typed up. The parts arrived. I knocked on the guy's door the next door. Hey, can I have five more minutes? Yeah. Did you forget something? I go, yeah, I did. Oh, here's your quote for your parts. And here's five of them. And here. <laughs> that is a great story. So he was he, able to, from what you sent him, he was able to make what he wanted, just like. And it was a basic. It wasn't like a complex airspace okay, part we I do today. No, no, this part was going into a going into a boiler system on on something. It was a basic threaded part in one of our closed in temperature tubes. So yeah, he made it. Shipped him out. The timing just worked. You know, the three hour delay helped. You know, in L.A. Well, yeah, sure, yeah. but. Um, yeah, that I had him at the hotel the next morning. So he said, did he give you an order? At, on oh, my God, immediately. Immediately. And, and this guy was on his third company. He had, he had, uh, he had started and, and built and then sold. This was his third company. And he was about 20 years younger than me. Oh, I mean, older than me. And him and I became great friends and a great mentor. Absolute wonderful mentor. Because, I, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't the best machinist. I was a pretty good business guy, even though I didn't get to go to college. I just learned a lot about it. Went yeah, you just, but good. you also just have, I mean, I, it's funny. I talked to Ava. I mentioned, we, we talked a little bit before we started about the fact that I have three daughters now. And my 14 year old and I were in the car yesterday and she was kind of telling me it, there's a tie in here. She said, you know, I wish I was, she wishes like she was more of like this elite book smart person. And I said, sweetheart. And I got into talking about how important people skills are. And I, you're saying, and I just think that's something that you were just born with. I mean, there's something. Yeah, and you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I had a customer in Boston, a company named Vita Needle. Um, outstanding. They do they do a lot of needle parts, small medical needle parts. The guy owns that. He owns a couple other companies. Anyway, I, so I met him, flew out there and met him, and we started doing some stuff for him. And, you know, he, he, was, he was another mentor. And then back in the you know late 90s, you know, my um, – well, yeah, no, no, this is more like 2010. You know, uh, he calls me one day and he says, hey, I want to offer you a job. And I go, I don't really want to go anywhere. He goes, you can stay in Ohio. I just want you to travel, blah, 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 a little bit. And I go, what, what do you want me to do? He goes, I want, I'm giving you my five largest troubled accounts that you're going to handle. And he goes, you'll fix them in a week. And I said, you, you're in Boston. You got Harvard. You got Yale right down the road. You got Boston College. You got UMass. What are you doing? Yeah. What do you want this this farmer from Ohio? He goes, you don't have a clue, do you? 
Yeah. He goes, you have what no one can teach. Can't teach it. Yeah, you can't teach it. You nope. really can't teach it. And, and, and it's weird that I, I didn't realize I had it. But I guess I did. So anyway. Well, do you know so so it makes me think of in the book How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie said yeah. that Charles yep. Schwab got paid a million dollar salary in freaking eighteen hundreds or something. Yeah. And and they, and he said the reason was that nobody could handle people. Like he, he was the best person on the planet at that point in how he handled people. And it's the high, and, most highly compensated skill set on the planet. And of course I didn't take the job, but we became great friends. So I had another mentor. And so I mean I used those guys. You know, their knowledge, I, I, you know, I, I would get to different phases in the business that I'm just not sure about. Hey, 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 how would you handle this? Blah, blah, blah. So that yeah. that really helped. And um, and of course, there, there's one other skill that you have to have if you're building a business is, is that if you're afraid to hire people smarter and, and more outstanding than you, you're not going to make it. If you if you if you Very take true. if you are if you are not self-confident enough to have people around you that's smarter than you, then you shouldn't be in business because that's how I did it is I, I knew how to put the best people in the best spot. And, and it, it worked out really well that and, and my uncle just beat into us on quality and customer service. We, we answer the phone today. We, we our, our emails are acknowledged immediately when they come in. Our quotes are done in 24 hours. If they're not done, the, the customer will have an email back stating why they're not done. And we make the top quality product, best quality product in the world, and deliver it on time. Well, we used to deliver it on time. Now it's kind of char- Now it's kind of challenging with raw material issues and et cetera. But yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, so, the, that's the basic principles of our business. Yeah. So let me go back and, and, and we'll talk about, you know, you get involved and you got this handful of customers. You mentioned Thomas Register and you basically started getting out and pulling door handles and just and just right. selling. I mean, in a very traditional it's funny, you know, the world we live in today, there's so many buzz phrases and, and, and all this stuff about business and people are raising money and all this, you know, and it, but at the same time it's it's there's almost like this I'm trying to think of the right word. There's just not an appreciation for that approach to building a business, which is exactly the way that dad and I did it. I mean, well, exactly. when I started working with dad, dad handed me a stack of business cards and said, good luck. <laughs> and, you know, and I just, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, he had a few relationships like you and just a handful of others in the area because he really primarily was in Columbus. Right. And he said, here, you know, I'll take you with me and John will probably let you help him. And that's how I, that's how I did it. And other than that, I started pulling. But, yeah, and then when, you know, when I, when I was really building business in a huge way, there, there was no email. It was all facts. You, you talked on the phone, you could listen to their voice and you could really feel the emotion in their voice, how, what, what their, their problems were. And it would give you time to, to learn about these people, you know? And yep. I mean, I had a customer in Texas that does, does a lot of power plant generation, nuclear stuff that we do a lot of stuff for today. You know, I walked out in the office one day and my secretary's talking about apple pie, you know, and this brain, how she does this, how does she does that? And I'm looking at her like, oh, whatever, you know, and, and she hung up and she comes in and she goes, I am so sorry. That was Stella from weed. And I was sharing my apple pie recipe. I said, Stella buys $1 million a year in parts. You can talk to her about apple pie all day long. All day long. Yeah. Okay. That's and, one of my, I remember you telling me that story. That is one of my yeah. favorite stories that, yeah. you've, and, that you shared and, with me. And this lady would call just to talk to Irene about cooking. I, this, my, my secretary, Irene, was a wonderful cook. So my customer, who the purchasing person was, because they called them and, oh, yeah, here's another order, you know, whatever. So, I mean, if you don't, back then we created personal, I mean, I, some of the customers 
that I, I did this with back then. I've, I've since sold their companies and they're combined now. You know, I've got five of my major customers that have combined into one. Um, you know, a TE owns them. Yep. And, you know, I, they're still friends of mine. I mean, we sure. go, I, I'll fly to Florida and spend, you know, a, half a week with them at their condo. Though That's the kind of relationship we built. I got a lady in Boston. Anytime I go up there, I dealt with her 30 years ago. She's 87 years old. I always take her to lunch. Yeah. And so that I built built this company on relationships. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you, and yeah. you but the thing is it's easy to say that, but I it truly is. care for people and I care if they have problems, I care if I can fix them or not. You know how some fake sales guys are. Absolutely. You know, the, the, all they you know they they're in trying to sell you stuff or help you but they're rushing Well, the way I say it is it's what ends up happening is people transact selfishness as selflessness. So they sell yeah. you this idea that they're for you, but they're really for themselves. And they're really not. You know, I, I've always said I think like dogs can smell fear, people can smell authenticity. I mean, they know they know authenticity when they see it. You know, no matter really what. Oh you're yeah. Saying. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah. Um. Uh, so today, the, today it's lost. I mean, it's the the first first thing is you have no people with any common sense doing anything today. The purchasing people that we have at our cost of our companies have no common sense. They have, they, they, everything is driven by a computer screen. They don't care if they talk to you or not. They don't answer emails in their defense. They're probably overworked because these companies keep their office staff so little, but it, it just amazes me. Some of the stupid stuff that comes out of some of these purchasing people, because they don't even know what a part is they're buying. They're just following a screen. Yeah. And it's made doing business very difficult right now. We have, we have, uh, we do a lot of titanium and high nickel alloys for a lot of the aerospace parts, high heat resistant material. And that's, that stuff has tripled in price. And we'll quote a job. We could quote on the material. The quote's good for 48 hours. That's all it's wow. good for. And I try to explain this to a GE purchasing person <laughs> who really doesn't even comprehend what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, we give them the quote. They wait two weeks. They place the order. What did you used to hold pricing for? Just in comparison, like oh, say hold, two uh, years ago, it was good for what? 60 days? 30 days. 30, 30 days. So you're talking yeah. about it. In, in two years, you've gone from quotes being good for from thir- for 30 days down to two days, essentially. Well, on some materials now. Okay. I mean, yeah, not, yeah. On, on the high end, you stainless sure. steel tubes and stuff that's, that's, you know, pretty pretty readily available. It's still They're still good for two weeks or so, or it's maybe 30 days. But the high end materials at uh, titaniums and it is, it's three or four or five days. So how so, often I'm curious uh, along that line, how often do you find that these people are like trying to shop you based on price and they don't understand the value of your patent of your process all, all on time. the end of the tube? I mean, we the the GE or Honeywell bought one of our largest customers and they moved the entire operation to China and. Um, the thing, the thing with this, with this patented thing I have, and I deal with all these guys who make these temperature sensors. So if one of them loses a job, I don't lose it. It goes to one of the other ones. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't make this well known. You know, you don't want to sound that cocky. Um, but cause we're, well, we're because only, of the fact that you have that protected, right. That you have we're, the we're the only game in town on this. Yeah. We're the only game in town. If you're using it in a, you know, a, a $10 million piece of laboratory equipment, you got to use our product because it's so precision. If you're using a temperature sensor in a, in a Mr. Coffee coffee pot, That's you don't need my, you don't need my stuff. Yeah. You can't afford my stuff. Right. Okay. Now that makes so, sense. Yeah. Um, you know, that G, uh, Honeywell moved all this stuff to China and they started making, trying to make it over there. Their customers 
your customers kept sending everything back saying, we don't know what you did, but this is not what you sent us. And um, finally, Honeywell calls us and said, well, you know, we're going to have to come back to you, but, but we're paying three times more. We're paying three times less for this in China than you charge us because you're three times. But it's not working. (laughs) And I go, I go, sounds like that's working out well for you, doesn't it? You know? And they actually said, well, you got to lower your price. I said, I don't have to do anything. I said, here's the price. Take the part. And they now they ship, they ship our product. I ship almost a million dollars a year to China. Nothing made in China will so, ever be in my plant. So here's a couple of questions. So your patent, don't, now patents only last for a certain period of time. Is that right or is that not right? right? It's right. And the patent's expired. Okay. But, and so, but like any other patent, you don't put everything in a patent. Ah, yeah, right. Okay, I got you. So there's, so there's, there's sort a of secret sauce there. Secret, there's a few yep. little secret touches that has to do with material temper. It has to do with a couple other ways. Yeah, that's just not okay. in the pattern. Yeah. I got you. Okay. And then, so that was going to be my next question. So no one's figured out how to do it. Um, Actually, a couple of them have. People, I don't know that they're using. Uh, I've, I mean, I keep track of when I see a company that makes tubes. Um, yeah. Actually, I got some Chinese tubes in the other day that um, looked really good. Uh, the ends, the, the, it's got to do with the, the, the uniformity of the end. That it's yeah, because really, it's uniformity really, of measuring temperature, right? So right. if, if so the material if, on the end pools, then it doesn't measure the temperature. Exactly. If it's a 20,000 yep. swall tube, you, that sensor is at the bottom. Our wall is 20,000 around the radius. China's is they just melt a glob in there, so the reaction time is, is way off. Uh, so I did, and if anybody's Chinese. listening, that gives you a sense of how precise these these measurements are. Is that the, the literally the two measuring? Has to be uniform. Keep in mind, we're measuring temperature. What we what we measure the temperature in the the I mean every 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 rocket that's launched at SpaceX, we've got our stuff wa- watching the temperature of the engines. Everything that's the shuttle crazy. ever did, every every a piece of high end equipment, whether you're a laboratory, uh, Dell computers uh, back with the big mainframes. We monitor the temperature and all those. Anything that's a high-end value product that'll be destroyed if the temperature gets out of range, we have our stuff in it. Yep. Uh, we don't do the electronics. We make the hardware for the electronics terms. And we're measuring temperature down to 0. 0.001 degree. This is very accurate temperature measuring. Now, we do have a commercial restaurant division because uh, years ago um, – Bun coffee makers had so much trouble. Their commercial big ten thousand dollar coffee makers, yeah. they had trouble getting the the right the right temperatures and etc. And um, we partnered up with them. And now every every bun coffee maker in the world that is a ten thousand dollar coffee maker, it sets in a restaurant, has our parts in it. And McDonald's okay. had the same issue with French fries. So we were, we were in every McDonald's French fry in the world. Uh, so we do a commercial restaurant division, but we don't do any any residential. Yeah. So um, but. Yeah, so it, it's it's it, it 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 has to do with you know how we do how we close the end, the temper of the tube, everything. Um, but that's only forty percent of my business now. That's crazy. Yeah. So that okay. So that's a good segue. So I, I mean, obviously, I I mean, I have great respect for you, but also just the story of the company is awesome. And so the purpose of the podcast, as we talked about earlier, is like you know to to allow companies like yours to tell your story, but then to transition to sort of like your philosophy. So you've got this company that's making these parts and you have this protected patent and you went out and generated clients initially kind of the the traditional way. But tell me how you're like, just start talking about your philosophy on marketing. 
I mean, because I mean, obviously, well, we've um, done things for you with your for your employees and for your clients. But as the as the company grew, and I know you you care a lot about marketing and how you're building the brand of Esterline. So let's talk about that a little bit as you've gone forward. Well, one of the best ways in a, in a manufacturing environment, especially if you have mechanical engineers working on a product or whatever at your at your customer, um, you you give those engineers whatever they want. In other words, if they're working on a new design and they need a piece of material, hey, do you have a you know a half inch piece of stainless bar, or can you make me a little one of these things? And I've done that so many times for free. And there's two rules to that. First of all, well, one big rule actually is always tell the purchasing lady what you're doing. <laughs> Whenever you work with an engineer, tell the purchasing department, hey, I'm helping your engineer with this. I'm going to give him these parts, et cetera, et cetera. Because what I discovered is, and this has been probably, Landon, I bet this has been 30% of our growth in the last 25 years, okay. is that engineers move around. Yep. Okay. So they move around. They take you with them. Yep. That That's one thing. The second thing is if they're designing a product, they put us on the print. You know, vendor, vendor, Esterline and Sons. I got you. Change ECO only. In other words, engineering change only. They can't change vendors. The purchasing people hate that. And so that's one thing that we've got done a lot. We help. We don't design. But we, we supply the engineer what he needs to get that part designed, and we give him ideas. So yep. that's, how, that's, that's how I grew the company. That's really lot. smart. Yeah, okay. Mar- marketing, and I don't do much marketing today. We've gotten, we've gotten um, of course, we keep a nice website, et cetera. I buy stuff from you guys that, that I give to my customers, um, and then I use it if I do call new customers. Now, we're a 70-year-old company, so we've reached a, a maturity that – we have enough perpetual growth by by engineers and by people see, knowing us and already knowing about us that I have never one time had a sales rep on the road ever. Except I asked you. my except me. I asked my uncle. I said, "Hey, can I? You know, I think I want to put a put a uh, you know a, a sales guy up in Warsaw, Indiana, up in the medical stuff because we do some medical stuff too." And he goes. No, he goes, he's going to bring you stuff you don't want to make, and you're going to make him mad when you say you're not going to quote it. You're going to give him 10% for doing nothing. If you want to sell medical parts, go up to Warsaw and do it yourself. And um, so that sounds like pretty smart advice to me. <laughs> we've never had a sales rep ever, ever. And, you know, it, we've reached I, the And point. a lot of the stuff you do is for your people, right? I mean, I, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you've like the T-shirts and different things like that we've done. Oh, half is three internal. quarters of the stuff. I mean, yeah, well, you, you know, there's all those big T-shirt orders I give you guys and the, yeah. the hoodies, the right. great hoodies. Everybody loves them. But I got to get some more, by the way. And yeah, that's all for the people. Yeah, that's all for the people. Although, yeah. no, I mean, the, those nice hoodies that we got from you guys, I um, can't remember the brand, but it's really, really high end stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I send those to my customers. They love them. So. Yeah. But you know what? Another neat way I market is is this has nothing to do with you. It's 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 yeah, our it's, it's it's we ship all our product in white boxes with Esterline and Sun logo on the top, on every side of it. It says "Made in the USA" under it, yep. and they're, they're they cost about twice as much as a regular box. 
And, you know, my shipping people are going, you know, I'm ready to order boxes. You know, if we didn't have white, blah, 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 blah. And I go, let me show you a picture. And I was just in one of our largest customers last year. And you see all these boxes. Walked into their inventory room. You see all these gray boxes, all these, you know, and all all, look over there and you see all these white boxes with the S-Line logo on it. And, And he goes, you really think that makes a difference? I said, it only has to once or twice. The president of the company walks by and sees that nice box and looks at a part in it. So little subtle things like that that I've always – Well, and even if he walks by and doesn't look at the part but sees your logo and subconsciously becomes aware of it. I mean there's – you know, the bottom line is what you're describing is that those things in a sea of, you know, brown craft boxes or whatever it is, they're they're noticeable. Right, right. That's still about building brand. And see, what I would say is like what's interesting is you guys are so interesting to me because, look, we find that we we work with – we provide things to our clients for two audiences. It's customers and employees and more today probably for the employees. And where I've seen you over the years, you've done gifts here and there for the, for the clients like you're describing. But most of it for you has been investing in your people – and doing things that they're comf- that 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 they can wear and be comfortable working, or things that right. make them feel like they're part of a team or whatever, and right. because of your heart for people. And then you take that a step further. And to me, that little subtle thing that you do with the boxes is probably wa- far more impactful than anyone even realizes. I mean, I think you do. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it is. I mean, and yeah. but I mean, that's just one thing. And and yeah. you know, we yeah. we 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 make parts. We make parts for a commercial composting facility out in Texas. All right, you know what composting yep. is. They got piled up cow crap. Yeah, yep. And we yep. make we make a part that they have to, and this, it has to be very corrosion resistant, uh, obviously for obvious reasons. So we make that, and they monitor the temperature of the compost, and they they rotate it. It's a very eco friendly green thing they're doing out there. It's really cool. Anyway, so they ordered these parts, and you know they put on their commercial finish. Finish not important. Blah blah blah. The first time they come through, I, I, I stopped them in shipping. And I said, why do these look like this? Well, that's going, that's your compost guy. And I go, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. I go, take them back and polish them. I go, we don't, I said, we don't send parts out like that. Well, it's going in manure. Don't really care. Yep. I said, the president of the company walks through the, the receiving room and picks up a handful of those parts and goes, damn, these things are ugly. Who, who made these? Or, damn, these things are beautiful. Who made these? Well, so that's something yeah. we follow through all the time. Is we never it's the ever, little things. So it, it's the little things. It, it is. It, and it's absolutely, to be successful in business and to reach reach quality level and be the absolute best there is and keep it there is the most difficult thing that I've done in 40 years running this company. If you don't, if you take your eye off the ball, your quality dips. Think about a restaurant. Think about a restaurant you go into. They've just opened. Maybe everything's great the first time. You go in the second time. Things are a little worse. Things are a little worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so the hard no, thing. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, so just a couple of other things. When we're coming up on time and, and just to kind of bring people into where it is today. Um, no, yeah, I guess I've been too long-winded. I'm sorry. No, not, no, you haven't at all. I, I just um, – I want to make sure that people who are listening sort of they've gotten, I think, a great picture of where we've been. And I want to talk about today because, I mean, obviously you have really important thing that's just happened, which is you you have the one location. How many employees do you guys have now? Eighty five. Eighty five. And you've just built a new building. Talk about maybe a little bit about how that came about. Um, Again, the, the, the business has been on our family farm and we're out. We're out seven miles from the nearest municipality. We don't have municipal water and sewer. 
as our population employees grew, um, the demand on a well and a septic system, we had we needed to expand. We did one time, uh, just I don't know, twelve years ago. I remember that. That's the office yeah. that you that, that I was That's, in the last time I was. Yeah, yeah, and um, we need to expand again. The EPA says no, you're not, unless you put in a you know half a million dollar water system, whatever. And not only that, it's not smart. It's not good business to build out here. At the time we did it, it was fine. And so I decided to move to an industrial park. It's only four miles from us, right on our local airport. Bought nine acres of ground. Priced a 52,000-square-foot building a year ago, March. Let me think. Yeah, this is 22. March of 21, we priced the building, uh, which um, is we, we hit everything perfect, the lowest interest rates at the time. Yep. If I buy the building today, it'd be a million dollars more. We we absolutely knocked Crazy. it out of the park and built a 52,000-square-foot state-of-the-art building. 100% air conditioning, conditioned, um, just a just a great, great facility. We're just currently moving uh, where we're trying to we're trying to coordinate it so we don't disrupt production too bad. Yep. So uh, I think building the building, it was the easy part, you know, moving 73 years worth of stuff. Out of our current twenty thousand square foot building, is going to be quite a challenge. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's pretty exciting. Makes me think of. I, I think you know this, but my dad, his his parents both passed away in the last couple of years, so he's currently living right. in their house, and they have all this all this stuff. And and you know, I've been talking to dad. Haven't, I don't get up there as much as I should, and he's like, yeah, you know, all. And they had seven. Well, they had seven kids. Two passed away, so they had five still. And she's like, he, he goes, yeah, they've all been coming over and moving stuff out. And, and you know, this goes on for months. He's telling me they're coming over and moving stuff out. And finally, a month ago, I go up there, I walk in the house, grab a cup of coffee, and I'm looking around. I said, Dad, I thought you said people been moving stuff out. <laughs> so what? It does. I'm not buying it, man. Like, and uh, he just started laughing. He said, Yeah, believe it or not, there's a lot that's gone. And uh, but it's amazing just how things accumulate over the years. But. Um, I can't wait to get up and see the building and really just reconnect with you. It's been, it's been too long. Um, the last question I want to ask is, and I know that, you know, we dealt with, I, I worked with you for a long time and then I left. Um, and then you've been kind of working with dad. Tell me, just tell me what we, what you think we do well, what we don't do well. I mean, just give me kind of a, a your view on, and I know we don't do a ton of things together recently, but just give me your view on us and how we do. Well, I mean, the, your dad, starting at the beginning, your dad, um, has just been, I mean, him and I created a, a relationship early on, just hit it off. You know, he's a, yep. he's a great guy. We hit it off. So I thought, okay, well, I'll see how he does. And, and the, the issue is goes back to the, just two things, just, just respond fast and have quality product and do right. what you say you're going to do. And he, your dad was, it was just knocked it out of the park. All right. As far as on customer service, Everything was immediate, blah, blah, blah. If you ran into a problem, which we did sometimes, and we, I think we did a knife thing one time, a really cool knife that I wanted to get for, I don't know, it ended up being three or four weeks late. I thought your dad was going to lose his mind. It wasn't his fault. It was a vendor. And, you yeah. know, I said, hey, hey, Buck, you communicated with me. Don't worry about it. Then you're growing up, and I said the same thing to you when you were really young. You remember? I do. I said, you have to shine. You have to be better than everyone else. Yep. Answer the phone. Do everything you say you're going to do, and I and you'll you'll succeed. Yep. And don't have your prices too dang cheap because your 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 product is quality. Your customer service is perfect. And you and you guys continue that today. I mean, I think um, you know we've always 
you know, I mean, I, I'm really close to you and your dad, obviously, and I'm not going to go anywhere else. But you do know that if you start to screw up, I'm going to tell you. So Absolutely. Yeah. If I if and, and if I've ever seen anything over the years in your operation that I thought, wait a minute, that's not quite good enough. I would tell your dad and I would tell you. Yep. But it never, ever happens. You guys just have the attitude that you're going to take good care of your customers and you're you're going to you're going to continue to thrive and grow, buddy. Just, yeah. You know, I, I bet I'm sure you're pulling your hair out with the supply chain stuff. And I'm sure some of the stuff yeah. that you promised your customers you can't get on time. Well, um, but you know what? It goes back to and I'd like to think and I think I said to you this to you earlier when we just chatted briefly on the phone. I, I'd like to think that we share we have a lot of alignment with your view on customers and how you build relationships with them. And I think, and I'd like to think we do that too, but I think it comes down to, I mean, it's been a challenging few years for everybody. Um, obviously our business is one of the first things people cut the supply chain issues you're talking right. about have been really yeah, challenging, I but you know, that during the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the thing that I would say is that when you have, when you're in the habit of building great relationships with customers and as long as you are willing to go to them and manage their expectations and tell them what you know, and what you don't know, you know what I mean? And be real yeah. and be authentic with them and don't try to tell them a story. You just go to them. And, and, and I think that we've really worked hard on that. And in really the last few years, I feel like we've almost built stronger relationships with some of our because it doesn't mean we're doing perfect across the board as, as I'm sure you're the same way with your business. I look up and down our business and I see a million ways that we're not meeting the standard that we need to improve and all of that. And if I think right. in some respects, if you don't look at your business that way, then it's probably time to start looking to hang it up. Oh, because, absolutely. You yeah. have to look at the little things that are going wrong. Yeah. You know, here's, here's one of the key things too in today's environment, because these purchasing people, and I, I, I mean, I was hitting on them pretty hard for being stupid, a lot of them, which is not, it's mean to say, but it is. You have to make it so easy for them to do business with you that when they get four quotes in, yours needs to be the first one. They're going to look at it and go, I love these guys. They are so good. You get the order. That's right. Okay. We hold hands, take care of, fix problems for them. We, I mean, I've got three guys out there do nothing but fix problems on purchase orders and work with the customers to do things right. You, you, you make it so easy to do business, you're going to have more business than you can ever do. And you guys do that. And you guys yeah. do that. I mean, you're, you're responsive. Everything's wonderful. I mean, your dad's out here maybe once or twice every couple months checking. So, um, yeah. Whether you yeah. want him there or not. I'm just <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm always happy to see him. I just make him buy bourbon when I see him. So. Yeah. Well, I got to bring some up. I got some good stuff I'll bring with me. I bet you up. do but, living down uh, there now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like winning Rome. Um, but all right. I want to wrap it up. John, I, you know, thanks for doing this. It's good to see your face. And, uh, and I have always appreciated uh, just you as a person and the opportunities that you've sent us. And I, and I respect the hell out of Esterline and Sons for sure. It's well, I respect exactly what you've done, young man. You moved down there on your own. Um, and, and just, I mean, I really haven't talked to you lately about how big you've gotten, but your dad, your dad tells, tells me how good you're doing. And if I had any, any little part to do with that, when you were 18 years old and told you, make sure you do everything perfect, you know, I, that, that makes me feel great. And, oh yeah. Well, you absolutely did. Absolutely. Um, and so what I want to do is make sure that everybody knows if you want more information on Esther Line and Sons. And is Esterline and Sons spelled out dot com. So E S T E R L I N E A N D S O N S dot com. And uh, that's where you can get more information. And uh, if you're the right kind of customer, which, yeah, <laughs> which is a, nar- right it's a narrow, it's a narrow client base. That's right. Yeah, uh, and I need nothing to get else. Some pictures. 
I need to get some pictures of my new building on our website. I Absolutely, yeah. And, and I will say, though, one, one of the things that's interesting is even if you're not the right kind of customer, if this, if this story was interesting, I'm on the website right now. And some of the history we discussed here is there. So you'll be able to read and, and learn more about the company and the story, um, which that's what honestly – that's the thing I, I think probably the thing I have enjoyed most about the line of work that I'm in is I get to work with so many different types of companies. And I've always been so fascinated with business. And so it's been a bit like a kid in a candy store for me to just learn about all these different businesses and how they make money and how they create success. So. Yeah. You know, and if there's young, if there's young business owners that are, that are listening to this, um, that would like to talk and, and, and let me help you give you ideas on how to grow your business. Even if you're a competitor of mine, I don't think you're going to be, but um, I'd be happy to do that. Just send me an email. And um, my email is john at Escalon and Sons. I'd be happy to sit and talk with you. Nothing, nothing fulfills me more than helping a young kid, a young entrepreneur trying to get to his dream. And um, so, yeah, I'd be happy. happy well, I got to attest to it. But yeah. Well, thanks again for the time, John. And uh, I'll look forward to having a bourbon with you soon. Hey, let me know, buddy. See ya.